Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr. There's going to be two men that are still trying to figure out whether or not Bologna's goal went inside or not. Let you know it did. Shanira Matt, how are you guys doing tonight? If the ref says it's a goal, I'll take it. If it's for Richmond, not for the other team. If, if it's for it. Richmond, of course, if, if it's for Richmond. Anybody else, I'm not taking it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all for, uh, you know, Definitely, definite shots that definitely you know go in. Uh, one of those two definitely did happen, as described. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, man, this game is a lot to talk about. In this game is a lot for us to break down in this game, so I won't spend too long with us rambling and whatnot. But I want to get you guys' opinion on what was it that made Darren pay this back five after weeks of us say he should. We never get it, and then all of a sudden he comes out here with a back five, and it took a, I think I think I told you it took me like twenty minutes for me to realize, like, oh snap, this is a back five. <laughs> uh, I got an easy answer for you. Uh, did you watch the North Carolina game? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So a it was a little bit of a disaster, you know. Anyway, but B, uh, we were minus Calvo, so you know we couldn't just run out the same back four as always. Anyway, so you gave the opportunity to be able to mix it up you know, a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we've talked in the last episodes how a lot of different pieces of you know the lineup had kind of started to become you know stagnant in ways. Uh, so I think probably saw this opportunity to be able to you know, make some changes without you know completely having to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and uh, I mean, whether you know it, you know fully worked as planned or not, you know. I think that can be debated, but uh, certainly change things up. Yeah, well, definitely. You change things up. It was very interesting because Chris Cole and Nathan Ani both got their first real starts, first debuts for the club. Not debuts, first starts for the club. Um, and I got to, well, let me say this. The first 10 minutes of this game, it was a microcosm of everything that was not going right for Richmond. Like, Pretty much, it felt like we were slow. We were behind it. North Texas came out being ultra-aggressive. And I think I made a point in my notes of how I was really paying attention to what North Texas was doing here in the first half because they really felt like they were dominating the ball. But they seemed to be doing this thing of if they can't get behind the Richard Kicker's back line, because, of course, it's the back five. So the back five was cutting out of space. Long, cutting out of space. Um, they would really try to recycle the ball back and do do like one twos, and those one twos seem to have Richmond defenders all over the place. 
like I think in both goals we saw examples of that. And even on attempts at North Texas had, you saw examples of that where as it would be like a simple one two, the ball would be played out wide, a player kicker's player would step to it, the ball get played where that kicker player's was, and it's a shot on target. Yeah, a, a little bit. I, I would push back, you know, on that North Texas came out hot. I thought we came out better in the first five, six, seven minutes. You know, I saw, you know, Emmy and Luke really pushing uh, and pressing high and creating some turnovers, you know, off of their you know, defense, uh, which ended up leading you know, to some chances. Obviously didn't convert early on, but I felt that there was a lot of pressure there. Once we got to like minute eight and then, you know, on, felt a little bit more like, you know, what we've been seeing in terms of the shape. And I think, you know, LA, what you were saying, it makes a little bit more you know, sense then uh, because after that point, it was very sporadic. You know, pressing, there's still there's still come up a little bit every now and then, but it really felt like you know they wanted, you know, Darren wanted the team to go out there and push hard those first five to ten minutes, you know, try to make something happen. And whether that was a purposeful, you know, with you know, draw at that point, or it was North Texas adjusting and uh, you know the press kind of dropping off as a response to that adjustment, not entirely sure. Yeah, I did see that though. I did see like Richmond coming out of press because I think it was so in this you had a three five two. You had the back five was correct me if I'm wrong. It was Chris Cole, um, Avon, Chrysler, Nathan Arnie, and Luke was up top. Monty. Monty. That's right. Of course it was Monty, because Monty had an assist. So that was the back five. And then you had Victor and Zaka in the midfield. You had Luke and Emmy up top, and then nail right behind him, kind of pseudo number 10. So Luke and Emmy was in charge of all the presence, and that's why, like, I love Luke so much. And by the way, listeners, we're going to have Luke on the show um, next week since we don't have the game. We're going to have Luke on the podcast. But Luke is an energizer bunny, and I don't know what it is. I really want Luke to get a goal just so I can, like, see what his celebration is going to be. But the way how he was pressing, it was it – was, North Texas had to figure that out first. And then once they figured that out, it was – you kind of feel like the tide was changing in first half, right? The the way things went in the first half, you – it was too evenly matched sides. Um, we did have some struggles on the defensive end. You talked about Matt. But I do feel that we were threatening on the front foot as well. Um, sitting – there was a lot of action right in front of us of and there were you could see that they they were missing that final that final pass that final moment to, to get that ball into the into the striking position but there was some action on our side of the field as well as the um as well as the the opposing side of the field um with Luke, like you said, Elliot, there was a lot of movement with him. This time, I saw and Luke wasn't just running around by himself. Yeah, it looked a lot more coordinated this time. You know, as opposed to some past games where it would be one guy going and nobody with him, which very hard to have it run an effective press uh, 1v3 
team. Yeah. Um, so, right. Yeah. I think you get my words out, right? So, leading up to the 26 minute goal, before that, there was a moment in the 10th minute, and it kind of reminds me of, like, you guys know I'm a big person on, like, if a proven pattern in soccer, like, if something happens, happens more than twice, it's normally a pattern. A pattern. So, in the 10th minute, this is when the ball got saved off the line by Ivan and Akira, but the lead up to this is something that I think Darren went into and fixed at halftime. I think it was one of the things that Darren went into halftime and fixed because pretty much a ball got played in behind Chrysler. I had to make sure it was Chrysler because, you know, USL League One footage is very hard to figure out who the defender is sometimes. Um, but it was Chrysler. So it went over his head. And pretty much Ryo, he cuts it back. And this is the thing I was talking about where, like, a kicker's player would step. And where that kicker's player would step is where the ball would then be played to. So when he cuts it back, Cole crashes down, trying to cut out the ball. But the North Texas player, I couldn't figure out who it was, but he dummies over it to Kazu. And then Kazu has a shot. And if it's not for, for Avon running back to the, um, to the post, I think that's a, a goal in the 10th minute because I don't know how much a carry gets on it to really save it. I think Avon helps him out there. But then when you get to the goal in the 26th minute, and this was when like, we were in the stands like watching it, it felt a lot worse than what it was in person seeing it. Um, but I hope I say his name right. Kamagu, uh, he gets the ball stuck underneath his foot. And if you go back and look at the replay of this, at that exact moment where the ball gets stuck underneath his foot, look at Avon. And Avon has this moment where he just looks and be like, all right, is he about to shoot it or not? And it's like in that split second, his runner pretty much, he doesn't get close enough to Ryo. So it's like Ryo catches the ball. And when Ryo catches it, Avon isn't close enough to where, because he's looking to see whether or not Kamagu is going to shoot it. Ryu cuts it across to Kazu, and Ani is just beat to the spot by it. And I, and I know this is Ani's first game, like first real professional minutes, but Homeboy had a rough 45 minutes. Like, I don't know if North Texas knew that he, this is the first game started, but he he had a rough 45 minutes. And it was pretty much trial by fire for him. Yeah, I feel um, on that goal, one, one thing that I tried to watch was uh, Kaiser getting off the play from the from the start, the birth of that that prog- progression towards the goal. Um, Kaiser starts for the ball, passes it into Kamangu, and Kamangu that, that touch that will touch goes wide to Ryo. But all this time, Kazu never stops running from the moment he passes. The- that ball. But when I say running, he never stops jogging. And that that's that's the part that that was the red flag for me. The fact that Kazu what it's not like Kazu was doing a whole bunch of 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 juke and moving and trying to lose his men. No, he literally practically just waltzed into our box and got to the ball first. In that situation, I just feel that he needs a body on him. He literally wasn't even paying attention to where he was on the field. He was watching the ball being passed and just then saw the ball coming towards him and he said, oh, 
let me an attacking player needs to be in a situation where they have to see where their marker is. They have to see their marker and try and lose their marker. There wasn't a situation there. Kaiser literally just practically wandered into the box and scored it. Um, at first, I thought it was, oh, Ani lost his man. Ani kind of just walked beside him. And, and one thing, defender, you had a goal side or ball side. And he was neither. He was as in ball and beside. So in that situation, Kazo was with his uh, with his man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. anything for you, Matt? On this? And I, mean, I, th- I think that covered you know a lot of it. Uh, you know we. You know, to be able to, you know, guard, you know, uh, you know, this guys, you know, interact with the Jetsons, the Flintstones, you know, all these guys, you know, what can you do? That's a terrible, terrible, uh, really dated joke, you know, uh, from watching cartoons when I was a kid. I'll let that one. But, you know, I was doing a little bit of, you know, research on Kazoo. Uh, let me read, yeah, so he's Brazilian. Let me read out to you this guy's. You know, full proper name because this is a name you know, here Christian Kenji Wagatsuma Ferreira. You know, the the always, uh, you know, common Brazilian Japanese left back on loan. You know, uh, I mean, you got a name, name like that, you got you know, the you know, swag to just go by Kazu. I mean, I feel like you earn yourself a goal every now and then. That's a pretty, that's a pretty dope name. That's a pretty dope it's name. analysis. That's a pretty dope name. Uh, all right, so we've had this goal, and real quick before we go into the our goal that happened in the thirty third minute, like, what is it about the kickers at these particular moments where it just seems to be like a defensive breakdown, and it's not like a team breaks us down, like, technically, like, it's, like, 18 passes in a row. And you know how you just defend it, your legs get tired. But it's just more so, like, in our final 18-yard box, a pass here and there, and a goal is created from it. It seemed like North Texas was doing this a lot. But what is it about the Richmond defense and how it's set up that they're not able to cut out these chances like they were in the first three, four games of the season? Honestly, I don't think it's too much to it. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of self-inflicted errors. I don't use it, this in the same light for season. You know, part of this is you have to give North Texas credit for being able to string together good runs, some good passes. Uh, you know, certainly when we talk about, you know, their other, give them, you know, some credit and everything. Then, uh Sometimes there's good plays. Could you know the guys have done a little bit better? Could Alni have you know been a little bit tighter on the mark? Could you know Yvonne you know, maybe have uh, you know, been a little more proactive out there? Sure, uh, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I don't you know, view this as long-term problematic because 
how many you know other other patterns did these guys cut out in the course of the game? It's not a matter of they were consistently getting you know carved apart. Uh, that Akira had to you know, bail us out like you know he has you know, in the past. You know, he had to make a couple saves, uh, but that's professional. Free keepers going to have to make saves you know, at some point. So I mean, I, I get where your question's coming from, but I don't think it's anything you know too concerning. You know, sometimes it's a good goal. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It was a good uh, I, mean, I think. Oh, oh, you go oh. ahead, Shiner. No, I was gonna say that. I think there is a little bit of outing here from the original. Um. that I, I did notice in the second half was there wasn't a lot of pressure on the attackers as they were coming into our half. And you could see a lot of times when they had some of those counterattacks, our center backs would literally be back off of them and not trying to step, not trying to, 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 to stop that flow. And I was curious about that because it looked like it was something that was Intentional. It didn't look like it was just panic attacks. It looked like it was intentional. That's what they were supposed to do. Told them to do. So looking back, it seems in North Texas, you usually they try and get their success from cutting through defenses, literally allowing defenses to have a line and say pass here, and they just with a pass or a run they'll cut through that and i think with the literally kind of our center backs kind of standing off them a little it didn't allow them as much they weren't able to they didn't have any joy behind our back back line they didn't have any of those balls those little balls cutting past our back line and, and literally taking our center backs out of the game because of how our center backs were kind of standing off of them now first goal that's an issue of a man not not his mark and the second goal I we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah. um but I, I could see start the North Texas is starting to get frustrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I can kind of see what you're saying about North Texas getting frustrated. I think another thing key to point is um in the first half alone, I mean what was it? I think three out of the five defenders Richmond had a yellow card. Uh, Cole, Ani, and was it Chrysler? No, it was, uh, was Jalen, Monty, and Alni. Okay, yeah. So those three. Okay. And then Zaka had the fourth one. So literally, yeah. four of our defenders had a yellow card because you can count Zaka. Um, but another yeah. point to me. A couple of them were legit. Really yeah, oh, yeah. They were legit. Uh, and during the game now, we were like, no, that's not a yellow. Oh, and then you go to watch the game, you're like, oh. A couple no, of them were legit. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, that's not a A couple of them might have been a little soft. That probably could have gotten by, gotten by, but. Yeah, so. Um, but I think another thing that. I mean, for me, for me, there were a lot of situations. Oh. No, you're fine. What were you about to say? Yeah, I was going to say there were a lot of situations where. Yes, 
the yellow is legit. But where my issue was with the officials was the issue of consistency. It's like literally the same exact thing. Um, and then literally less than 30 seconds later, a Richmond Kickers player would do the same thing and get a yellow card for it. And it's like, okay, that could well, what about the identical situation that happened on the other side of the field? And that, that's, I think, where a lot out of the, um, the anger came from, especially with Darren fans, was it, whether it's a yellow card or not, I want some consistency. Call it both ways. Basically. Yeah, I mean that's what you always ask for. But real quick, I just want to make the point about um, Zaka, and I was listening to the audio of the game, and pretty much I agree with Russ was saying about how if Zaka, the more involved Zaka is in the offensive part of it of the team, the quicker the Richmond kickers are, and the more quicker the kickers are in the offense and the quicker the ball moves around. But in this game, the first half, Zaka wasn't really involved. And I don't know if it was by design by North Texas or if he was just, you know, staying back a little bit further. But Richmond really struggled in that first half. I want to say, like, the last 40 minutes or so of, like, building, like, proper moments of, like, really putting a foot on the ball. But the goal we did get in the 33rd minute, comes from a moment where Zaka is, you know, evolved. He's helping out in the But so I praise Monty so much, and it's I'm so sad to see him hurt because he was really key in this first half to a lot of things that were happening, good things that were happening. Um, So Monty, he creates a turnover pretty much, and he, just from closing out the North Texas player. And from that, he heads it to Emmy. Emmy then plays at the flop. And I don't know what it was. But Victor in this game had a green light. Like, I've never seen this before for him. I don't know if Darren told him this is something you can do, but he had a green light because I think he had three or four shots in this game. I think two of them were on target. But Victor had one from outside the box on 20 yards. I know me, you, me and you, Shania, we were trying to debate like whether or not the goalkeeper should have caught this. But he doesn't. He parries it to his right. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to make sure I do to his right. <laughs> he parries it to his right. Yeah, to his right. Yeah. Yeah. So Monty, and normally, I, I, like, how many times have you seen a player that creates a tournament, they try to run directly in the middle of the box, and Monty stays out wide? Because if, if he doesn't stay out wide, like, this ball just gets recycled by a North Texas player, and, you know, they're off to the races. But Monty stays out wide where this ball is headed to, and at first, I didn't pay attention to it, but Emmy is, like, caution him like hey like play it now and Monty just waits like an extra two seconds plays it across and Emmy just beats his man his North beat the North Texas player to the spot and he back heels him and it wasn't like the back heel like at first I thought I took a deflection off another North Texas player no he he just back heeled everyone into the back of the net so yeah it's one nothing and it was a great goal a goal that probably would have been goal of the week if that for the goal that North Texas scored <laughs> Literally seven minutes later. And arguably our Last third goal, goal too. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so basically, and it's funny, we were talking about it at the game. We literally in this game, in one game, had three contenders for goal of the week. That was that was a treat. But um, 
I mean, I guess you can say that Emmy beat his man, but I think this was a situation of Monty realizing that even if Emmy had beat his man, the position that Emmy was in, if he wanted to strike it conventionally, the defender would have blocked the shot. So putting the ball slightly behind Emmy allows him to get that highlight reel flick, you know, behind the heel flick uh, into the goal. That it, it was beautiful. Um, but the, it, it, it and it, it goes to show you this. This is why Emmy was MVP last year. He can pull off magic like that. I mean that that was a magic moment. That was just it, it's it's what you watch the game for. It's for those beautiful moments. So it was big ups to 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 Emmy for that one. Yeah, and you know, we were talking might have been last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, about you know who's providing service you know, to Emmy, and you know this game you know Monty was technically where he was playing really high up the field, like he might have well have been, you know, afford with you know how high he was playing, uh, and you know we've seen over the you know last two years now, if you can provide Emmy with a you know, good service, he can finish first time, you know whether that's you know with his head, whether that's with you know the instep, whether that's with the back heel, now. So yeah, I think it was just you know a little bit of good fortune that you know the ball popped out completely. Completely, completely wide open, Monty, uh, where he was able to you know, pick the time, have take the time, pick his you know spot out, and uh, he hit it and went right in the net. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did, and yeah, that that shows you how well Emmy is. But like, like credit what you're saying, like. The thing about this goal that is so unique is because of how high Monty is. In previous games, like you said before, the fullbacks weren't getting up as high in the attack as much as how they were. And I think another thing that was kind of hindering the kickers up to this moment and a little bit after this moment was this key was really looking to those wide players because your most creative players were in the middle of the field. And North Texas kind of created like a – I don't – it's weird. They kind of created like a box around Emmy. Um Luke and Neil. So it was like any ball that got played them had to be played right back out because North Texas was just crushing down on them. But it's like as soon as the fullbacks got involved and was able to create more opportunities for them, the wider the play got. Now, we get to the second goal that (laughs) this is the goal that I think I left you, Shanair. I just went to go get a beer because I was like, I am mentally checked out. I'm done. It is what it is with this game. (laughs) <laughs> but um, this goal came, what, uh, 40th minute. So this is after a throw-in. And I'm really about to get really, like, detailed on this, so bear with me, but this goal to me is so interesting. So Zaka trails his man. He throws it to his right shoulder. If you look at the play, Zaka is on the defender's left. Now, if Zaka's on the defender's right, the North Texas player literally has to turn towards the sideline and he's probably going to pay this ball to where either Avon, I'm trying to remember, Avon, uh, Monty, or Jalen is at. 
and the ball is probably going to get trapped there or kicked out of bounds, whatever. But since he throws it to his right and Zaka's on his left, he's able to flick it. And at first glance, me and Matt were talking about it before the show about how we thought Neil was ball watching. But when you go back and look at it, like Neil checks his shoulder to see where um, Almonger is. Like he checks his shoulder. Like there's something you normally would do in the midfield. But the moment he goes to go check his shoulder to have a quick glance, the North Texas player, Almonger, like, I don't know if he hit turbo or like nitros or whatever, but he zoomed past Neil. And this is where I said, I think Ani might have had a bad, like, really bad uh, first 45. And not saying like he's a bad player or anything. Like, I think he's just, you know, he didn't have his best performance. The way how he's shaping up in this, I would have liked to see him close close down the defender instead of just staying off of him and kind of just shaping up his body. Like it's almost like Ani was shaping up for him. Like he was expecting um Almonger to come one on one with him. Like he's gonna drive this into the box. So I'm shaping up like he's going to do that. And then when Almonger just, you know, volleys it, it's like at that moment, Ani just kind of turns his shoulder. And it's like if he stays if he stays flat or if he's not like shifting right right to left, you know, he probably had a bigger deflection on the ball. But like you said, Matt, sometimes a good shot is just a good shot. And there's no way Akira was saving this regardless. Because it was just a hell of a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, this goes back to what I was saying with regards to the kicker. Is kind of standing off because if Ani steps hard there, there are options. There are options around Elmo longer um, to, to 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 lay the ball off to, to somebody. That, uh, I don't know. I think it was Kazo that was making a run. So now this goes back to what I was saying with North Texas. They try to cut you apart, and Ani kind of just trying to contain him, prevents him from being able to do that. It's a wonder strike, and those are those goals that you just say, all right, I'm going to have to give that one to you. But if you, if Ani tracks his man in the first goal, literally North Texas have one wonder goal that if you're the Richmond kickers, you're like, if that's all you can do, shoot from the outside, we'll let you have that. You know, that's one of those situations where we were basically allowing them to move forward without giving them that cutting edge option of picking us apart. So this is one of those situations where it kind of backfires. It doesn't backfire at all. But when it does, it's got to be something spectacular. This one was. Yeah, I mean, I think this is really just, a, for the most part, you know, like you're saying, Shanir, perfect shot like that. All right, you know, for you, and, you know, I bet you can't do it again. Uh, if we really want to, you know, try to you know, nitpick, you know, I think the question can be raised of why is there so much space you know, right there where if, uh, you know, Neil gets beat on that run one-on-one that, you know, Amager has – a good 20 yards of unimpeded, you know, space to run into. And that's a pretty big gap. 
you know, right there. That maybe is a you know question that Darren might uh, you know ask the guys. Probably did ask the guys at halftime, and we'll probably be addressing it in you know training. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I, I think you know, blaming Alney is really you know stretching on this one. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, you, you just get burned. No, I don't. You know, I don't credit to Alma Garrett. Good shot. Yeah. No. The, uh, the, and another thing, Almaguer. Yeah, Almaguer. Actually, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Almaguer actually was being marked by Neil, and Neil gets basically in that situation is looking at the situation going on between uh, and, and Hernandez, and. Zaka gets caught trying to cheat a little, trying to see if, oh, maybe if I cheat a little soon, I can block off. And because of that, Neil gets caught ball watching. Alonger keeps going. And Hernandez is going the way Zaka thought he would go. He just flicks it over his shoulder. And literally, your two midfielders out of the game. And that's came from. That space came from the mistakes from Neil and Zaka. Um, basically, Zaka trying to think a step ahead and guessing wrong, and Neil ball watching and expecting Hernandez to also go to the outside as well. No, nah, man, to your point, like I was saying, like, uh, there's no blame on Ani at all. Like, I just think, like, it's unique to see the difference between a defender getting his first minutes and how, like, hesitant it is versus the men- a defender that, and, like, Calvo. If you put Calvo in that situation, I think Calvo, since he's played a lot more minutes and he's probably a little bit more aware, like, he steps quicker. That's all. But, yeah. It, like you said, sometimes the goal just is bad. There's no defense to defend that kind of goal, that kind of shot. Um, But I want to ask you guys this. What do you think Darren said to the team at halftime? Because I imagine it had to be, I don't know if something furious or what, but I imagine something had to be said at halftime. Because in the stands itself, it felt like, I don't know. It felt <laughs> as if it, it just felt deflated. Like it just felt like, but uh, all right, here we go. Like, are we gonna get a draw? Is this gonna be another loss? You know, we're not really sure what's gonna happen. Because I remember people coming up to like me and asking, like, "Do we suck again? Like, is this? Are, are we good?" But what do you guys think was said at halftime? I think he he spoke. To basically, because the back line didn't really change what they did. We're still, and like, like I said, with regards to uh, to the to the second goal, they it, it looked um, it looked like intentional that the back line, our sports, our three backs were 
holding on and we're we're just trying to contain the attacking pressure rather than trying to block it. And I think what Darren probably talked to them at halftime was our center backs really trying to contain the attacking players. Our midfielders are the ones that need to do the running. And I think in fact, you saw a lot more of that from uh, Zaka. You saw a lot more of that from Neil, from uh, uh, Victor, that they were a little more dogged in the midfield in not allowing Te- or Texas that space, which then allowed our center backs to continue with their game plan of contain, bend, not break. Don't let them cut us off. So yeah, I was, my thought is he probably you know, put a challenge out to the guys of this is not our, this is not you know what we know we're capable of. We know that we have the players to do this, and he, I doubt especially to the attacking players because the Monty you know, change was kind of forced upon him time, you know so. You know, he made that you know change. He also you know went ahead and pulled out Alni. That you know was clearly a you know tactical you know change because halftime we come back out and you know four back again. And uh you know Elliot and I you've been talking about you know plenty about uh what you know the shape looked like and that's almost immaterial to this. But I thought we saw a lot more of an aggressive look. You know, Bolaños came out and. Uh, he you know, kind of directing aggressively anyway, but you know, I felt like that was level. I think you know we saw Luke, you know, when he dropped back to right back, really start to you know play in a way that we haven't seen from that position much, if at all, you know, here. Uh, so I felt that you know he was really challenging them to be hard to def- to defend. You know, so it wasn't as much on the defensive end it was more of a hey you know let's go out here we know we can score on these guys let's prove it yeah and so that's another question i want to ask you guys and i'll let you guys talk about it do you think if monty doesn't get injured and by the way like we're sending our best wishes out to monty because you couldn't really tell what happened but the worst kind of injuries are those that there's no contact um but do you think if monty does not get hurt do you think Darren then makes the changes that he did? Or do you think he kind of more or less keeps Monty out there and just replaces on? Or do you think he does, you know, finds a way how to bring on Bologna and Matt into the midfield? I think he still wants to get more bite into the attack. So he's out Alney and from the five to the back, Spalanius in there to be able to provide you know, more attacking options, you know, up front. You know, hard, hard to say, you know, definitively. Uh, but I can't imagine that he made both you know changes independent from one another. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. So, with that being said. <clears throat> I think the formation I at first really thought this is still a back three, and Matt, you have now convinced me that I'm clearly wrong and blind when it comes to tactical organization of soccer. Because you're right, it was forward and back. 
Um, you had Cole playing a left X spot. You did have Von Kreiser as normal center backs, and then Luke, who is Mister Do It All for this team, apparently playing as a fullback or quote unquote wingback. And you still had Zaka, Zaka and Flock. I don't know why, but that sounded like a curse word coming out of my mouth. <laughs> playing as the CDMs, um, and then you had Neil and Matt. I think Matt probably was. I think. So in the second half, like we said, they played a lot more aggressively. But I think Matt was probably the spark plug for this team. Because him being in the midfield, and this is why I so badly want Matt as a midfielder for Richmond. Because in that midfield space, he was so, he was not only aggressive, but he was like the creative force for this team. Um, Because not only does his cross lead up, leads up to a goal, it leads up to a penalty kick. He has another opportunity where um, he lays off a ball for Emmy, who lays it off for Stanley, who almost scored in his debut. Like, I mean, not his debut, but him coming on the field. Like, Matt was very involved in this game, but that's something different than what we saw in the first half of the game. We didn't really see that a creative talent in the final third without Matt being in there. Um, any thoughts on that, guys, before we go into the rest of these goals for the second half? Yeah, um, Matt really has a – he's a different player in the midfield than he's out on the wing. He gives you that passion. He gives you fight and, and that aggression. But it, it, it's a different – it's a different look. Um, I do that this may be a sign that – Darren really, really regrets the injury to Ian Antley because with Ian Antley as a fullback, that would have given him a lot more freedom to play ball sometimes in certain games and maybe on the wings in other games. But in the middle was to the heart. All right, we had to make sure Janeiro was done because Janeiro likes to cut people off. We had to make sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had a penalty in, check my time, the 50th minute. It was a penalty. There's no debating it. The North Texas defender pretty much, he hit the ball too hard. And <laughs> he had, had that flying through the air moment where he knocked over Emmy. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this is that out of, and I did the math right, and this is including last year, out of the six penalties that Emmy has taken, four of them have been to the bottom left corner. The other two was, the other one, the other two, one of them was to the bottom right, and one was to the upper right that was saved. I think I did that right. <laughs> Does that count the one he missed the goal entirely last year? I forgot about it. So seven. <laughs> there were seven penalties that Amy took in last year all together for the kickers. So if more or less, if you're trying to guess where Amy's going to take a PK at, guess bottom left, nine times out of ten. Um, all right. So 60th minute, I, I made a note of this. I don't know if you guys caught or not. 
But Zaka, um, he doesn't close down properly, and he allows a run into space to have a shot on goal. And I think this is the moment scenario. I was like, what is Zaka doing? Why isn't he closing out? I think it's because of that yellow card. And the way how Zaka normally plays is he's very aggressive. Like, Zaka will slide tackle anything and any and everything. <laughs> um, but I think, like, he just lays off. He's just like, uh, I don't want to touch you. And you can just see it, like, he knows that if he commits, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a yellow. It's a second yellow card at that moment. And you can't and I and I praise Zaka, even though this might have been his worst game for the kickers. I praise him for that moment because he knew like I can't afford to put my team down a man, even though he does <laughs> with three minutes left in the game. But I mean, you know, he pick and chooses his moments. <laughs> yeah, he um you could tell he was being very cautious. Um I, I do feel that he did play a very good role in the, in the game today, apart from getting the two yellows. Um, when he was when he would win the ball in the midfield and in as the the the, the deepest lying midfielder, his distribution from there was pretty on point. And and I think on a defensive standpoint. It was a little shaky, but on an attacking standpoint, his positioning was very good, and his his vision and delivery was pretty good. Um, I mean, you, you got to you need to 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 just say I'm just gonna have to take the L this time. Hopefully, my teammates can 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 rectify the situation because if I try to rectify it, I might be out of here. So it was it was good of him to think that. I mean, it, it makes it a tough situation. It's kind of a, a catch-22, but lesser of two evils. And look, if that's going to be you know, the baseline for you know bad Zaki performance, we're in good shape because I just don't think he was actually bad in this game. He maybe you know our expectations for him have risen so high uh, for good reason because he's backed it up. Uh, but I would say this is completely, you know, replacement level, you know, USL defensive midfielder performance. Yeah. Like, if this is a bad soccer performance, the good ones are are a lot better. <laughs> um, but let's, we're going to move a little bit forward in the game. So 70th minute, this is the goal that I think is probably going – I don't think this goal is going to get goal of the week because I don't think it's going to be classified as a goal. Even though well, it's not nominated. Oh, it's not? Oh, did you already put it out there? Yeah. Oh, see, I missed that. Yeah. So, yeah. Emmy's goal, the North Texas goal, and I don't know, some other random one from this week. Ah, whatever. All right. So, yeah. Now, let me ask y'all this. Do y'all really think Stanley meant to shoot this, or was this 100% across? I definitely don't think Stanley meant to shoot it. Okay. <laughs> Blanius? No, I also that, don't think he meant to shoot it. Oh, my God. Polonios. Oh, I can't say it's Stanley. <laughs> oh, they look so familiar on the field. Polonios. Yeah, no. No. He, I think I think he was trying to cross it. Um, there was a lot of pressure on him. He he did do a good job of giving himself a little space uh, with that with his movement heading towards the, the, the end line. And then he just tries to strike that ball into the box around the, the defender that's covering him. 
and it just did that curl and just dipped right over the keeper and hit the post and went in. <laughs> Y'all saying you didn't hear in the stadium uh, him call glass as he was kicking the ball? <laughs> I thought I heard it. <laughs> the only thing was missing was uh, Mark Davis bang from Colonial shooting from uh, three point range. Oh, yeah. So, all right, this was another interesting. I swear, all of these goals were like really interesting because like the build up play to them. But this one was all right. So, Stanley tries to play the ball to Emmy. And first of all, like, I should know, I know Stanley's boy, Stanley's my boy too, but. I don't know what Stanley was thinking of trying to play this through ball where there were literally four North Texas players and Emmy like by himself. But um so he tries to play it to Emmy, but it gets cut out. Almagar again. And then Almagar plays it to Hernandez. Now Hernandez is like running, like trying to find someone to like throw toss his ball up top to on top to, like kind of pretty ping it off field. But he can't, and Stanley pretty much runs behind, like, chases him down the entire time. And once again, I think this is key because normally in that situation, like, if an attacker loses the ball, what's the first thing most attackers do? They kind of sit there and stop for, like, a couple of seconds, and then they kind of trot back on defense, you know, just fall back. But Stanley just runs after him, causes a turnover. The ball falls to Emmy, and Emmy one touches it over to Bolognos. And like he Bolognos, now, the arc of this cross I don't know where Bolognos was crossing this because nobody was in the box. I think the only person that was anywhere near it was Matt. And Matt wasn't even close to it. I was going to say, that's a stretch. Yeah, I don't think Matt was close to it. But it hits the back post. It hits, like, the back railing, like, the little bar in the back, and then pops out. But only I can tell you in the stands, and everyone was, like, for a quick second, was like, did that go in? And then we saw Bolognos celebrate. Like, oh, it went in. <laughs> Pop smoke. <laughs> yeah somehow yeah. the ball did not like any piece of net the entire way through which i i guarantee you if you know blonde just tried to do that again he wouldn't be able to you know pull that exact same combo off in a thousand more tries oh definitely not no. definitely not but yeah no i which makes me wonder whether he was actually trying to shoot because like you said there is nobody anywhere near in a position to cross to matt is literally at the top of the arc on the what, what is that stopper guys i mean I, I i could understand if there was maybe someone who was far wide and maybe he was trying to just switch it and maybe get the ball to someone else who could then cross it in when everyone finally does get into the box but there was no like literally, I don't even think there were any defenders in there. Like it was, like it was it, 100% a hope. It was a hope pass. It was one of those balls you just like. I hope someone gets to it, <laughs> or I hope I cause some trouble. It, it was not a shot. It was 100 percent across. It just happens to be going in. Like it's like a half court shot shot where there's like 0.5 seconds left, and you just heave it up, and it happens to go in. You don't mean to do it. It just goes in. So you're like, all right, I'll take three points. That's so on the, on the stat sheet, looks like oh. a shot to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, also, that's another thing I want to break up. Because at halftime, 
they said the kickers had 16 shots on goal, and I'm tr- I had to go back and watch the re- first half again. I was like, how? How are you <laughs> Have you not learned that you cannot count on graphics in you know the ESPN Plus broadcast by now? Because I think they got almost all of them wrong. They said that we only had two yellow cards in, in the first half. And, you know, Ross is even going through the stats, and he's like, "Well, that's not right," you know, because they definitely had another couple, you know, here and yeah. So anytime you see you know any graphic up on uh, you know these broadcasts, take it with a massive grain of salt or two. Maybe do your own fact checking because maybe they don't, you know, always have fact checkers, you know, on the graphics team down at VistaLink. It's a bunch of interns. The interns, the interns. Now, most interns I know who are working are, you know, working hard to make sure that all their stuff is right because they need a job. <laughs> yeah, true. They want to start getting paid for that. <laughs> Well, they're in the wrong business if they're looking to get paid, you know, because uh, yeah. I, I don't think a USL League One, you know, production team is where you're making the big bucks. But not at all. Um, so a couple other things to note in the second half: 75th minute, Hope Amingbo comes on, and you, I don't know what it was, but he kind of reminded me of JT Kamara for North North Carolina FC. Um, in his 15 minutes on, he got fouled three times, two of which was led to a shot on goal. And then he was at one of those shots on goal. I don't know why USL counted it. They didn't get a shot off. It was the 82nd minute. Um, Luke Bavon, <clears throat> it happened on the sideline. Luke overcommitted. And I'm trying to remember the notes. Oh, Kamonga, well, he just drove forward. He laid the ball off to Alex Bruce. Alex Bruce couldn't turn the shoot because if you like take a still shot of it, there's six kickers players like directly behind him that didn't allow him to turn. And then he lays it off to uh, Majoma, who rifles a shot at Akira. Akira mishandles it for a second, but he recovers it. Hope comes in. And this is the moment where I was talking to you about it, Matt, that really stood out to me because Jalen stood up for his goalkeeper. And it was that moment that I think was one of the things we were talking about. Who is who's the, like, the physical presence on this team? Like, who is the guy that's like, all right, he's no nonsense. Like, I don't want to mess with him in a bar fight. And I'm slowly starting to believe, like, Jalen is that guy for this team. Like, he is the guy that's like, I'm going to put my – I'm going to put my body out on the line and I'm going to make sure that, like, Akira don't get messed with or, like, one of my other players don't get messed with. Because we saw this again out of him and what was the Fort Madison game when he got on a tussle with Turbo. So – I'm lucky when I'm yeah. seeing out of Jalen. What about y'all? It, it, it's crazy too, right? Because if you just took like a headshot of all the guys on the team, Jalen's probably the last guy you know you would expect you know to you know play that role because he like he gives off you know, like the off the field aura of me and like you know his look and everything like big you know cuddly teddy bear you know type. What's like you know, probably, you know idea that probably like the nicest most polite guy in, in the world. And then you see him going on the field, not being afraid to body guys up, and not being afraid, you know, to throw some bows. And yeah, it probably helps when you're out there and you're six four, six five, bigger than pretty much everybody else on the field. But still, not everybody uses their size like that. So uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with how he's uh, used his body out there. I can't speak for other clubs, but it seems to be a Richmond staple. Uh, Richmond kick the staple to have 
at least one player who's a complete saint off the field, but a monster on the field. <laughs> so, I mean, like, we've had, you know, we, we used to call William Yambi Saint Yambi. I mean, but he was, he was the boss in the back. Um, I remember before we had Luke Bercoloni in the midfield, he was a pest in the midfield. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Braden Troyer, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. This sweet guy, but on the field, he's a bulldog. Like, I'm, at the end of the day, that's what Jalen brings right now. He's he's that guy, who's just a, a really that that really awesome gentle giant that, that goes out with you guys, and he's the guy that's helping you help helping the guy up who drank too much or whatever. But he doesn't play games once that was the game. Root Banner. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's who he is. That's who he is. Um, so the last thing to note of this game was the 87 minute, the red card that happened, just to clear it up so people didn't know, because USL camera work. Um, pretty yeah. much Ramirez tries to put punt his ball back. <clears throat> excuse me. Punt his ball back into the 18-yard box. He does it. He Akira catches it easily, but Zaka runs I want to say full speed, 34 speed into Ramirez, causing Ramirez to fall over. Zaka gets his second yellow card of the game. His first yellow card came in the first half because he pulled um, Monjoba back. That was his first yellow card. And then three minutes before his second yellow card, I think it was like a slide tackle or something. But the ref pretty much told him to cool down, cool out. Like, hey, you're doing a lot. Like, you know, I'm watching you. And that's how you get a second yellow card. I think Zaka was probably on course already to be suspended. Um, by accumulation, because Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it like four yellow cards and you're suspended for one game? In the past, it had always been five, but then at a certain point, like you didn't get a card in enough games in a row, you got one knocked off. Uh, I'm not sure. I can go back and look it up, see what the, or try to look it up to see what the current rules are. But past years, it was you know five with you know okay. good behavior rewards. Okay, man. okay. So yeah, so. Um, Zaka is, of course, going to miss our next game. That's not this weekend, but next weekend against Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we'll have Cavo back. But in this, how do you guys think Richmond did in this game? Uh, let's close out this game first before we move into our next game. But how do you guys think Richmond did and how they perform? I think this was a very good response after the poor performance week in North Carolina. Um, and it's perfectly good time because you don't, don't want to go into a off of a loss because then it festers. Uh, this, this was a good a very, very good performance and a good result right before or going having a week off uh, to be able to maybe work out some kinks and 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 get the guys you kind of recuperated and 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 back into full fitness. Um, there there are certain things that need to be worked. Of course, I mean no one's perfect, and 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 the team still has a ways to go with regards to. That. But this was a very very good step in the right direction for the kickers after. Um, the performance uh, against North Carolina. 
yeah, I know that from the, you know, the post game interviews, you know, Darren felt very uh, positive about uh, the direction the team is heading in. That you know they're starting to really you know show what they can do on the field. Uh, you know, more and more, and uh, you know, more unpredictable out there. And he felt that they hadn't really been successful with that day. That he'd seen good things in practice. So hopefully, we're starting to the corner get turned you know, here with it. My opinion, I think, wasn't a must-win game technically. Win game in reality, coming off of last week, and especially you know, knowing that you have a bye week coming up, having you know, two losses you know in a row going into uh, sitting you know sitting for you know, basically two for the next game. That's tough mentally. Uh, would have been you know tough on you know the fans as well. So in uh, the day, three points, positive result. We're right in the thick of things you know for the playoff. Uh, I said I would you know give props for this too. Right around 60th minute, uh, you know, noted human mascot John Mars. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, huge bald guy who always uh, knows everybody and you know is happy to let everybody know who he is at the games. Turned to me and said, "We're winning this game." At that time, the man was right. So, John Mars, good call. Mister George himself. Mister George himself. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about this upcoming game against Fort Lauderdale. Um, the last time Rutgers had a bye, we had a win, South Georgia. Next game was a draw against, if I remember right, North Carolina at home. So it's literally exact same scenario. This time we're hoping to reverse it, hoping to be a win against Fort Lauderdale, who we lost to 2-1, but in that game, um, Austin Aviza was in a goal instead of Akira. We talked about that game and how frustrating that game was. What do you guys expect to change in this game? Who do you think replaces Zaka? And um, how do you think this team lines up against Fort Lauderdale? So I think it's going to be tricky. You know, not necessarily because it's Fort Lauderdale, but because it's a congested game week. There's three games in seven days you know, next week. So, uh, you, you could you know run out of the you know first team I guess but we got north got a road trip to North Carolina Wednesday road trip to Tormenta the following Saturday so I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple pieces rotated obviously Zaka will be out you can spin that to be okay well that'll be good because then he'll be fresh for Wednesday Saturday after that uh, I figure almost certain that we'll see Victor you know play that role much like we you know, saw him play there a lot last year. Uh, maybe this Baldick in the midfield, you know, thinking you know, moves forward. You, you know, we can see Vickers in there. Uh, Darren mentioned Mumbekwasele uh, by name uh, during you know, the uh, post game, so hopefully he might be able to be back. Whether that's for Saturday or for one of the other games later in the week, I'm not a train. I'm not in the you know in the medical room. I don't know for certain, but you know, I got I'm going to extrapolate and say that if he's mentioning him. Can't be that far away. Uh, so I think we're going to see some rotation. Calvo will obviously be back. But I think the big question mark is Monty and what's going to be his status. And uh, because yeah, I think Chris Cole is you know a good player. He 
doesn't I don't know if he brings the same attacking abilities that Monty can. And we've talked about how you know, at least in the past, uh, the Darren system having fullbacks who can be able to you know, get up the field and provide you know, attacking support, you know, really helps to make it click and make it go. Um, it, it's this is an interesting game. Um, you, Matt, you basically spoke about things from the kicker standpoint. If you think about things from Lauderdale standpoint, this is a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, literally, in the span of ten days in June, they played Toronto SC to two, three times back to back and they got a draw a loss and a win and that that, that, that kind of it, it's a bit um so which which kind of lets me know that this is a team that we, you never know what you're going to get you don't don't know which fort lauderdale is going to show up um it's uh, that that's one thing that causes me a little bit of concern um, going back to what you were saying, Matt, this is the beginning of a basically a seven-day marathon for the kickers, uh, three games in seven days, um, two of them being back-to-back. Uh, I, I do think that the kickers have what it takes with a performance like they had this past weekend against North Texas. I do think they have what it takes to to get a result against Fort Lauderdale. Um, Fort Lauderdale are ahead of us in the table even because they played 14 games and we've played 11. We literally have three games. Um, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic. If the kickers don't allow this to their heads and they take it as, okay, Okay, it's a step in the right direction. Let's keep moving. I think the kickers have what it takes to a uh, good result. Maybe a three points for this Fort Lauderdale team, especially since we're going to be playing at home again. Yeah, I think that. So when it comes to Fort Lauderdale, too, so they won't have uh, Edison out Kona because he got himself sent off. Uh, and they're also off this week. So that that's a plus because he's a some minute team, but they they do still have some Benton Evans. They got uh, you know Curry. They got Sean Hundall, uh, you know up there who scored both against us and has given us problems when he was with Toronto in the past. So they're going to have players, uh, but yeah, like you said, they can be very hit or miss. A lot of times, I think their defense is, is certainly the spot to be able to manage of. Uh, yes, they've played more games in the league. But uh, they've given up you know, 22 15 games. Flip side of it, they scored 21 and 14 games. So, you know, there's usually going to be some fireworks when they play. It's, you're highly unlikely to get a nil-nil out of that. Yeah, and I think the other thing about Fort Lauderdale that <clears throat> if people want to pay attention to is this team is number one in the league in big chances created or like overall chances created with 25. But also number one, it just missed. So they got great chances. They're also going to miss them. Like you said, man, that defense for Fort Lauderdale is very much all over the place. Um, it hasn't 
it's never been really like a solidified thing for them. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think when it comes to Zaka, I think, you know, Victor will get that role. It's going to be interesting to see how Darren, if he pairs anyone with Zaka, and, you know, if Mumbai is back, then yeah, you know, he can put him in there. But it will be interesting to see, um, you know, how it works out. Or does he go back to the three in the back and just, you know, try something with that? Who knows? Because you also have Calvo back. So we'll see. It'd be, it's going to be interesting. I think the most important thing to look out for in this three games, actually, of course, you don't want to look ahead too much. Um, by the time we play, the table will be a little bit more solidified. I think a lot of teams are getting towards – every team by that point would have played 10 games or would have had – like in the halfway point of the season of playing uh, 14. And the other thing is we play two teams in this three-game stretch that are ahead of us in the table, South Georgia and um, Fort Lauderdale. Um, two teams that are in playoff spaces just based on the number of games played. And, yeah, it's going to be very interesting for us. So I think, it, I think if anything, I think, you know, like we like we said before last week, these eight games are going to be key for us, but the next three are really going to be key for us as well. Yeah, we were saying in that conversation, uh, you know, for a playoff spot, you probably need to win at least five of them, maybe six. You know, if you want to be able to get a shot at your home game during that time frame. So, yes, it's a challenge to win three games in seven days, but you know, if you want to. You know, showcase that you're a team who deserves to be there, who you know, belongs in that next group up. I think you, you got to have an expectation of at least seven points out of these three. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's a bit difficult with, um, with the mental game with uh, North Carolina being that first away game, especially after our last visit to North Carolina, which was last week. Um, we don't want to see a repeat of that. We don't want to see uh, a Richmond kickers team that is basically scared of their shadow when going up against North Carolina. Uh, basically, this this stretch of three games in seven days will let us know what our depth is how the team's depth looks because I don't think, I think there are a lot of rotations that are going to happen in those three games and it'll let us know if we have what it takes to go all the way, because in order for a team to make it through a season, you've got to have depth. If you want a successful season, you need to have depth. You can't rely on the same 11, 12, 13 guys to get you through every single game week in, week out. So this is going to be, the real test of some of those players that have not been playing uh, so far. The, um, this is going to be a test for uh, the players that have spent most of the time on the bench, players that have come off the bench, players like Olex, players like Stanley. Um, I mean, Cole had his test today. Uh, Ani is going to have another chance. He's definitely going to be going to be played. Um, you're going to see a lot of these players. And what can you bring? What can you bring to the team? And what can you bring to that starting lineup? Because there's, I, I feel that there are going to be a lot of first starts as well in those three games. 
Yeah, real quick, I just want to ask you guys a question because it literally just popped in my head. Do you think if Kara takes a rest at any one of the teams? Do you think Aviza gets another start or, you know? Or, no. Uh, who's the other goalkeeper's name? Allison Causey. Yeah. I think Aviza might be hurt because he hasn't been on the bench for about a month. And also, no, I don't think this is the moment where you rotate a goalkeeper. That's that's the one position where uh, they can play through. Well, also, they can play three you know, three games in a week and not be as effective. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, anything else from you guys before we uh, wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, it's an off week. I think everybody should uh, you know, enjoy the, the downtime. Uh yeah, I think you got that interview with uh, Luke coming up sometime soon. That'll be an interesting one. If you have questions that you want to uh, hear, you've uh, asked to Mr. Luke Pavone, you know, hit uh, River, you know, at River City 93 up on you know, Twitter. Get those questions asked to him. Everything you could ever want to know about the guy. He's a really interesting guy to talk to. I think it'll be a good interview. Yes. His shoe game is amazing. I really want to ask him about his shoe game. <laughs> Do it. He, he was rocking the rocking the airs on a Saturday. Oh, and by the way, another thing, another good sign uh, with the kickers is seeing some of the players that are on the injured list still showing up to the games, still supporting the team, and not just you know sitting off to the side, but actually you know walking around the stadium, interacting with fans. Um, just to just uh, to give a shout out to Mumbai and uh, Ian, they were at the game on Saturday. Got to talk to them for a little bit, and they seem to be in good spirits. Both of them are on the men, and hopefully, we'll see them before the end of the season. Word, word, word. Hopefully, we'll be for that late playoff push to get uh, the wrap up the number one seed for the Richmond Kickers. Putting it out there in the air, boys. We're we're getting back in the playoff race. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> um, only thing I got is um, the Red Army is doing a community service event on July 17th and July 24th. Information for the 17th is already out on the Facebook group, so um, we'll have a link to it down in that description down below if you want to help out with that. The 24th information will be coming out on Wednesday. So, with that being said, guys, we get a good week off. You get to relax. Shanir, go be a dad. Matt, travel the world as you always do. I'm probably going to catch up on sleep because I'm teaching summer school and I'm tired and my dog is barking because the ball is stuck in between the couch and I don't have time to get it right now. So with that being said, as always, guys, this is Elliot. This is Sarah Matt. We'll holler at you guys later. Keep us on the good side, guys. Holler